0: When when you came in this morning, uh, you probably noticed this intergalactic Star Wars theme that was throughout the church, Um, and it it actually doesn't have to do with our series, it has to do with our kids' camp, day camp that's happening throughout this week. We have 87 kids that are going to swarm the premises for the next week, Uh, yeah, which is amazing, and many of those are community kids, uh, and so our children's ministry continues to have a great outreach into our community. Uh, there's 27 kids that were even on the wait list uh, that weren't able to, to get in, and so the demand uh, for for the children's ministry and uh, the events that are going on with their day, day camps and PD day camps that we do throughout the year uh, is quite high, and so we're really encouraged uh, by that. So you can pray for our children's ministry as they're running day camp Uh, This week. Uh, I myself and my family, we just got back. Uh, We were uh, on Quadra Island this past week. And if you don't know where Quadra Island is, it's off of Vancouver Island, uh, just beside Campbell uh, River. And I was speaking at uh, Camp Homewood uh, this past week. And so this is a picture of me uh, suffering for Jesus. Off a of Quadra Island, what a, I think that's the most spectacular place I've ever gotten to, to share the good news of Jesus, uh, and so I had a great time uh, speaking a couple times a day uh, to kids and to families, uh, and our family had a great uh, time together uh, that week. So we uh, raced back uh, this weekend uh, to get here, and I'm excited about the message that God has uh, for us this morning in our God and the Underdogs series. Uh, we all love an underdog story, Right? We uh, we love movies that have underdog stories, that's why uh, there's not a whole lot of reasons to like the movies Rocky, the Rocky movies, uh, but that's one of the reasons uh, we like an underdog story, or the movie Rudy, uh, or Mighty Ducks, or Legally Blonde, uh, all of these our underdog stories, and there's something inspiring about an underdog story, uh, and there's something that it, it encourages us, it excites us. We want to root for the underdogs. When there's sports teams that are ranked lower than a higher place team, we tend to want to see that that team that has a lower ranking do really, really well, and yet none of us want to be the underdogs. Isn't that interesting? We all love cheering for the underdogs, but we would never choose to be the underdogs. Uh, that's why when you're on the playground growing up, uh, and I know it's a bit cliche, but I had this experience. I can picture it in my mind's eye. In the school play- playground, I, wo- I grew up in right outside where the jungle gym is that we went to at recess. That's where we would pick teams for the soccer game that we would play every single recess. And you did not want to be the last one picked on the playground. Uh, that's why I love being the team captain, because then I got to stack my team and pick my team and make sure we won. Uh, and I hated picking the last kid that was left. And none of us wants to pick the kid. None of us wants to be that kid, uh, but yet we have a heart for the underdogs. We cheer for the underdogs. We just don't want to be the underdogs. Uh, none of us want to be in that place because most of us want an easy, predictable life that goes the way that we planned it, that we want it to go, that we plan it, our five-year plan or 10-year plan. We just want it to keep going. We don't want to have to deal with the twists and turns in the underdog story, and yet when we look at the story of Scripture, We see over and over and over again that God seems to have this heart for the underdog. Not only a heart for them, but he seems to prefer to use underdogs in his story. He picks the unlikely people to do the unlikely. He loves having the last pick on the playground. He loves it. We see the same principles over and over again, that God loves proving the world wrong. And when people look at you and they say i don't think you're good enough god looks at you and he's like i love using people that don't think they're good enough because we were never intended to be good enough that's part of what it means to be created to live in relationship with god as we were only created to find our full purpose and meaning and life in the context of a relationship with god when we try to do life outside of god's plan designed for our lives uh, we find we we get to this place where like i'm not good enough and that's partially true because God created us to depend on him and for him to be enough. And God's enoughness, his adequacy, his, his glory, his good news, his grace, his forgiveness. The things that, are, that he's trying to do in our lives are most obvious when people are willing to embrace that underdog story when they're willing to embrace the truth that maybe all of us in some way aren't quite qualified, maybe all of us in some way aren't quite as good as we would want to be or as good as some of us think, there's something about humility and the, the awareness of being unqualified that actually qualifies us. Because God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Over and over again through scripture we see this, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Jesus said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor but the sick. I didn't come for those who think they're healthy." And he wasn't saying that some people are healthy and some people are sick. He's saying all people are sick. All people have a level of need and inadequacy. uh, But I have come to help those who are aware of their need. This is why in the Beatitudes, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, God blesses those who realize their need for God, for the kingdom of heaven is given to them. So it seems to me that if you feel unqualified, that's the beginning of letting God doing something, letting God do something powerful and beautiful in your life. It's the posture and the position of humility that allows us to be used by God. And this is why I love the story of Moses. I want to look at Moses this morning. Outside of Jesus, he is arguably the most influential person in God's salvation history. And many of you, even if you don't know the scriptures, you're probably aware of the Prince of Egypt movie. Um, You're aware somewhat of the story of Moses. And many of us know Moses for some spectacular things that he did in his life, but he only did those things in the last part of his life. We don't often think about the first part of his life. He led the Israelites out of the land of Egypt where they were slaves. God used him to establish his covenant with his people and formed the Israelites into a nation. God gave the Israelites his law through Moses. The theme of salvation throughout Scripture is often embedded in the salvation backdrop uh, story and metaphor of Moses and God delivering his people out of Egypt and bringing them through the Red Sea. DreamWorks made a movie about the story of Moses, like I referred to, called The Prince of Egypt. You know you're a big deal if DreamWorks makes a movie about you. Christian Bale recently played Moses in a a movie. You know you're a big deal if Batman is playing you in a movie. But Moses, we can get all kind of infatuated with the the glory story, with the Batman part of his story, but that's not actually the majority of Moses' life, even though that gets the majority of attention. In Acts chapter 7, uh, Stephen is is giving a sermon and he's retelling the story of Moses and it's the only message message Stephen actually ever gave because he got stoned immediately after he gave that sermon uh, it must have been a bad sermon no uh, but Acts 7 Stephen says he begins by saying this at that time Moses was born and he was no ordinary child why did Stephen say that Moses was no ordinary child Did Stephen see him when Moses was a child? Did Moses have 12 fingers? What made him so extraordinary? Uh, Was he able to dunk a basketball when he was eight years old? Was he a YouTube or TikTok sensation? Why was Moses no ordinary child? No, it was none of those things. In fact, I think it's only when we look in the rear view mirror that we can often see extraordinary things and how God is at work. And my guess is Moses was just like every other child. None of us, maybe, were born ordinary. Maybe this is what Stephen is saying. None of us were born ordinary, but many of us end up living ordinary lives. Now, let me read the story of Moses as told by Stephen in Acts chapter 7. At that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian where he settled, for a foreigner, settled as a foreigner and had two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am the Lord, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. This is the same Moses they had rejected with the words, Who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the wilderness. So Moses was no ordinary child, but my guess is he looked just like every single one of us. Before his story started, he looked like every single one of us. In the rearview mirror of his life, at the end of his life, the, Stephen can look back and the, other people, uh, the, the people of God can look back hundreds and thousands of years later and say, Moses did some extraordinary things. And so they can look in the rearview mirror and say, Moses was legendary. Moses did some extraordinary things with his life. But my guess is right at the beginning, Moses himself had no idea. In fact, for most of his life, Moses had no idea how God was going to use him. At that time, Moses was born. He was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. He was placed outside. He was placed outside, if you know the story, because it was no longer safe for him to be inside. Pharaoh was getting afraid. The people of God who were slaves in Egypt were multiplying and multiplying, and they were becoming a force. Even though they were at the bottom of the totem pole, there were so many of them that Pharaoh was afraid that they would rise up and, take, and attack him and come against him. And so he wanted to take away their strength. And so he went about killing the male children in the land of Egypt. And so it was not safe for Moses anymore to be inside the house of an Israelite. And so his mom took this little baby, put him in this basket and laid him in the reeds in the Nile River. That's when Pharaoh's daughter found him and took him. And ironically, got Moses' mom to nurse him. That's part of the irony of the story. So Moses ends up growing up in the house of Pharaoh. Moses ends up growing up Never being fully an insider, always feeling like an outsider. I can imagine him growing up among the Hebrew people, and they saw him as a traitor. They were slaving away, building bricks, and he was living in the luxury of Egypt. I could see him not feeling totally inside with the Egyptians because he was always seen with some disdain because he was one of those Hebrew people. He was a slave that found his way into the house of Pharaoh. And so everywhere that Moses was, he was never totally in. He was always on the outside. And maybe some of you feel like an outsider. Maybe you're an outsider because of things that you've done, because of choices that you've made, because you don't ever feel like you quite fit where you wanted to fit. Maybe where you came from, you don't feel like you can go back to. Maybe you feel like you have no place where you're going to. Uh, But many of us hit points in our life where we feel like an outsider, but is it possible that some of us feel like outsiders because at the end of the day, God loves outsiders, and if he's going to reach outsiders, he's going to need outsiders to reach outsiders. You understand what I'm saying? Moses felt like an outsider. Moses had no idea at this point in his life what God's plan for him was going to be. In fact, the, the very idea that Moses didn't fit was part of the way that God prepared him for the call that he was going to have on his life. So Moses, an outsider, never knowing where he belonged. And then it says, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in speech and action. And this is interesting because why educate Moses in the way of the Egyptians when you're going to use him to be the founder of Israel? It doesn't make any sense. Why would he grow up learning the language of the Egyptians when the people that he was going to lead were going to be the Hebrew people and they spoke a different language? Why grow up learning the history of the Egyptians when he should be learning the history of his own people? What a waste of an education if the plan of God was to use Moses to deliver his people from Egypt. Some of us feel like We've wasted part of our lives. Some of us look back on maybe our own education and we think that was a waste of an education. Some of us look at our own history and we feel like there was a a period of time where we, we missed it. And it doesn't matter what your past is because God has been sending you through his school, preparing you for the plans that he has for you, whether we realize it or not. Every education that you ever got, every school you went to, Every lesson you ever learned. Some of us are wondering, how does my past actually inform my future? Some of us has a very narrow view of what God calls people to. We think that God only calls missionaries and pastors, and we fail to recognize that God has prepared all of us for a call and a purpose. I had a fascinating conversation this last week when I was at at camp. There There was a kid there named Nathan who was in his young 20s. And uh, he came up to me one day. He said, he said, Pastor Matt, he said, can I tell you a story? I said, sure. And he was a passionate individual, and he goes into his story, and he says that he grew up, and he was uh, he, he had a pastor as a father, and he's, he had uh, seven brothers, and he was one, he was the youngest of the seven brothers, uh, and he always felt like God had a call on his life, but he thought the only avenue for to follow God's call was to become a pastor, a missionary. Yet he was really uh, passionate about technology and entrepreneurship, and he's like, I just felt lost in my life and didn't know how God was. Gonna to use me or what his path was for me and then he said four years ago in 2019 there was a speaker that came to camp and that speaker came to camp and i'm like 2019 i was at camp homewood on quadra island in 2019 and i started putting together the pieces he's like he's talking about me i came there in 2019 he says in 2019 there was a speaker that came and he asked me he asked us the question he said what did god talk about most and he said i thought maybe you were going to say love Or sin, or salvation, or the good, the gospel. He said, but the speaker in 2019 told me that God talked about the kingdom of God most. He said, and then in 2019, you told me that the kingdom of God is so big, that the story of God is so big, and you invited me to live in the kingdom of God to expand my imagination and, and imagine what it might look like. He's like, so I'm, I'm using my passion for technology and to build businesses to create sustainable models so that so that people who are living below the poverty line can have a sustainable way of life. He's like, and they, they would be, know themselves and their identity. And he goes on and on. And this, that this would be a way that they would figure out their value in God. And he's going on and on and on. And I was like, I was just like so humbled. I'm butchering the way he told it. It was, it was beautiful and passionate. Um, And I just said at the end, I was like, can I give you a hug? (laughs) I was so humbled that God would use me four years ago uh, to to, to talk about the kingdom of God and for this young moldable person to have his imagination grown that God could involve his passions, his desires, his education, his story, and do something that was uniquely for him. He said that was a turning point in his life. And I said, you blessed me by telling me that story. I was like, I often say things and I don't know if it lands anywhere. Uh, That's how I feel most weeks. Um, And the irony of that is, even in my own story, I grew up not being a very good student. I grew up feeling like I wasn't very smart, and I failed a lot of courses in high school. I didn't read a lot of books. Uh, and the irony and the mystery of God is that he would call me to be a teacher and a preacher and to, to, to talk about the kingdom of God. And the irony is that God uses me and my weakness to share something four years ago that would change his life. And it was this reciprocal moment, I think, where we just were able to embrace each other and hug each other and just be in awe of how God actually weaves our stories together in ways that we don't plan on. So some of us, we write ourselves out of God's story because we think, well, my past, my education, it's outside of what, you know, the types of things that God usually does. And maybe we have a limited imagination of what God usually does. Every part of your story... The education you got, the skills you got, the mistakes that you've made, they're all part of the school of God that he sent you through because he wants to do something in your life. Stephen continues, he says, when Moses was 40 years old, well, that's old. 40 years old. He's uh, he's an old man now, and I can say this because I hit 40. Uh, He hit the midlife crisis. You can see he hits this midlife crisis and he decides, what am I going to do with my life to make it valuable? And he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by the by killing the Egyptian. So there's this holy discontent that Moses have. There's this this sense that this thing isn't right. What's happening to my people isn't right. I need to do something about it. But this shows us how broken Moses is because he thinks that he's doing something good, but he murders an individual. God didn't want Moses to do this, but he was uh, not yet transformed. His character hadn't yet been made. There was something about the injustice that he saw that was good and holy, but there was a way that he went about it that was misdirected. In fact, God was, or Moses was acting more like Pharaoh here than like God. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household. He knew the ways of Pharaoh. He wanted to make a difference, but he didn't yet know how to make a difference. So at 40 years old, this is the beginning of his story in some ways, at 40 years old. He decides to take matters into his own hands, the injustice into his own hands, and he makes a mistake, and he goes and he kills an individual. Moses thought that his own people would realize God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. I love that line. (laughs) Don't you realize that I'm God's plan for you? Uh, They didn't think so. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. Shocker, they didn't trust the killer. (laughs) Don't you know I'm God's plan for you? Uh, I'm not sure I can trust you. I saw what you did. And notice that Moses didn't feel guilty about what he did until he was caught. Moses ran away because he was afraid. Moses' heart hadn't yet been changed. He runs away. And often it's those places that we run away, it's the wilderness that we find ourselves in where a character is formed. And so he runs away. And it said that he settled as a foreigner. He kills somebody, he runs for his wife, life. And then he wastes the next 40 years of his life in the wilderness being someone he's not supposed to be. Sometimes... We make mistakes and decisions in life that we think that we can't get back from. We think that decisions and the mistakes that we've made had crippled us. We think, well, I know what I did, and how could God use somebody like me knowing what I did? We think, how could people ever trust me again knowing what I've done? And so the mistakes we make send us running. And often it's not the mistakes that keep us living ordinary lives, but it's we run away from the mistakes that we've made and then we find ourselves settling in our life. Moses settled. After he made a mistake, he ran away and he settled. There's people that will always define you by the worst mistakes that you've made. There are people that would look at Moses and for the rest of his life they would think, Moses is a murderer, he's a killer. But every time we thought we made a mistake that God couldn't redeem we need to be reminded that there's no mistake there's nothing that we could ever do and I say this with the most conviction I don't know your story but I know that there's no part of your story that God can't rewrite there's nothing that God ever wastes there's no experience that God will waste but often. It's not our worst moments that keep us from God's plan in our lives. It's us settling. Most of us don't keep making terrible decisions, but often we avoid the future God has for us because we settle. But Moses runs to the wilderness, and the wilderness is the place where stories are transformed. The wilderness is the place where perspectives are changed. The wilderness is the place where character is developed. The wilderness is the place depending on how we use that experience and that part of our life where our legacy will be determined this is where moses encountered god in the burning bush so after 40 years had passed so how old is moses now you can do the math 80 moses is 80 years after 40 years has passed he's hit midlife crisis twice before Moses did anything extraordinary, 80 years had passed. We remember Moses for the things he did after he was 80 years old. Do you ever feel like you wasted your life? Do you ever feel like you missed it? With God, nothing is wasted. And if you're 80 years old and you're listening this morning and the, and and you're thinking about what legacy could I possibly leave now? Remember, the legacy that Moses left was made after he was 80 years old. No matter what you've been through, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter what education or life experiences you think you squandered or wasted, God has an incredible way of bringing it all back together. That's what he does. And after 40 years had passed, when Moses was 80 years old, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals for the place you were standing is holy ground i have indeed seen the oppression of my people in egypt i have heard their groaning and i have come down to set them free now come i will send you back to egypt and so god says when moses is 80 years old i have seen i have heard i have come and i have a plan when you were 40 years old you had this holy discontent moses you saw something you heard something you wanted to respond to something, but you didn't yet have the character or the understanding of what I was calling you to do, and you took matters into your own hand, and yes, you made a mistake. But I too saw. I too have heard. And I have come, and I have a plan. And do you know what my plan is, Moses? My plan is you. And isn't that the way that God often works? When we look at the world around us, and we think, if somebody would just do something about it, if there's this injustice, my guess is if you have something burning on your heart, God is calling you to do something about it. The holy discontent that Moses had when he was 40 would come back to him, that God would bring that back to in front of him when he was 80 years old. The injustice that Moses saw that turned him into a murderer, God saw it too, and God wasn't going to turn his back to it. Moses just didn't have the patience to wait for God. The heartbreak of Moses echoed the heartbreak of God. The holy discontent of Moses was what resonated in the heart of God but it took more it took Moses 40 years in the wilderness to be transformed to respond to God's call in his life and so God calls him when he's 80 and then God says after he says i've seen i've heard i have a plan and he says i'm sending you back i'm sending you back to egypt those moments that you thought was wasted, all the time you spent in Pharaoh's house learning the ways of Pharaoh, the history of Egypt, the language of Egypt, those 40 years you spent as an outsider never feeling like you fit in with the Israelites or never feeling like you fit in with the Egyptians, I was preparing you for the call that I had on your life. And you ran away from Egypt, but I'm sending you back to Egypt. And here's what I believe, that no matter what future God has for you, it will always include your past, always. Many of us are running from a past. Mistakes that we've made, things that we couldn't control, losses that we incurred, grief that we're feeling. The education you thought was wasted, those wandering years you thought didn't have a purpose. All of those things... God uses all of those things for the future call he has on our lives. Those past mistakes that you thought were irredeemable, irredeemable, the past pain that you thought you could never be healed from, well, maybe God is going to use you to heal other people. Maybe God is going to use you to extend grace and forgiveness when other people make mistakes. The past loss that you experience, the grief that you feel, wondering if you could ever get over it, maybe God is going to use you to be a comforter for those who are going through grief. I believe that every call and purpose that God has for us will include the past that many of us are running from. And when we walk through the wilderness, through those years of wondering, what's the purpose of my life? That's where a character is being formed. That's where humility is being formed. That's where our heart is being prepared for the encounter with God to say, I have a plan for your life, and now I'm going to send you back. All of it is God's school for you, preparing us for the plans that he has for you. Your future will draw on everything from your past. Even your mistakes, your mistakes, God somehow redeems and brings into His future for you. I told my wife the other day, it's important for you to embrace your mistakes. And then she gave me a hug. (laughs) But every part of our past, God uses. The things that we want to get away from, God uses. And the story continues, this is the same Moses, I believe God through Stephen wanted everybody to know and realize that the same Moses for the first 80 years of his life, who was a murderer, who was an outsider, who didn't feel like he fit, who was wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, not knowing what his purpose was, running from his past, the one who was rejected by his own people, this is the same Moses that God called back. And I believe that when people look at your story and my story, they will say, "This can this be the same Matt that I knew? Can this be the same Joe or Bob or Bill or whatever your name is? Yes, that's where the gospel, the testimony of God who tells his story through our lives comes in. People should look at us, ought to live us, look at us, knowing our history and our past and say, this is the same person, but God has redeemed them and called them and is using them in a mighty way. This is the same Moses. They had rejected with the words, who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be the ruler and deliverer by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea, and then what does it say there? For 40 years in the wilderness. This is incredible. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness running from God, and that's where God met him in the wilderness Even when Moses was running from God, God was preparing Moses because Moses was going to lead the people of Israel through the desert for 40 years to be formed by God. He's going to lead them through something that he personally went through. This is the story of God over and over again, that God uses us to lead other people through something that he already led us through. God is preparing you even the things that you want to erase out of your story, God's actually going to use it. He's going to use you to lead other people through something that he led you through. It's beautiful. It's the redeeming power of the good news of the gospel. That Jesus, though he was crucified, ended up being resurrected and the, the, the day that looked like the worst day in history ended up being the beginning of the best day in history. The things that we want to write off are the things that God writes into our story. There's an underdog story in Genesis 50 that we won't tell, but it's the story of Joseph. But at the end of this long, winding story of all these twists and turns, this is one of my favorite verses of scripture in Genesis 50, verse 20. It said, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. The word intended in the Hebrew language that's being used here is literally the word Weaving. God is weaving together every part of your story that you don't think fits. God is building a tapestry with your life, your purpose, your legacy, the thing you're going to leave behind you is a tapestry of all the mountains and valleys of your life that God brings together all the mistakes All the detours, all the wilderness events, all the education that you got that you thought was wasted, he brings it all together for his glory and his purpose. God never looks at a human being and said, there's nothing that I can work with here. God doesn't waste anything. If you feel like you're too old, if you feel like you've made too many mistakes, if you feel like you've settled Moses was 80 years old and he encountered God in the burning bush and then God brought everything in his story back together for the purpose to save many lives. The same God that weaved Moses' story together is the same God that is weaving our story together. The turning point in Moses' story was the burning bush in the wilderness. We're at 80 years old in a place of humility, In a place maybe where he thought he was too far gone, he had an encounter with God. It's said in the text, so he went over to get a closer look and heard the Lord say, I'm the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God has been doing this throughout history, and you're no exception. God does that with our life. In a moment, we're going to come to the Lord's Supper, the communion table. And this is the table that we come to to remember what Jesus has done, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. The death and the resurrection of Jesus is the template of all of our stories. In fact, Paul over and over again in the New Testament says that we are in Christ, meaning that the story of Christ is our story. When we identify with Jesus as our King, as our Savior, as our Lord, when we give our lives to following Him, We recognize that through his grace, through his forgiveness, through the power of his spirit, there is no story that can't be rewritten. Every single one of us gets to experience a death and a resurrection when we're in Christ. And so when we come to the table, we choose again to die to ourselves, to our own perspectives, to our own sins, to our own mistakes, to our own wasted years, to the own ways that we've settled. And we say, God, I remember your promise. I remember what you've done. I remember your forgiveness. And I'm inviting you again to be Lord of my life and to write your story in my story. And if that's your heart this morning, to allow God to write his story with your story, for him to be the Lord of your life, for you to receive his forgiveness and his transformation in your life, then we invite you to come to the table. As you come to the table, someone will give you a piece of bread and they'll say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And you're going to take it. And then someone will say, this is the blood of Christ spilled for you and they'll give you a cup of juice and you can take it. I'm going to invite you this morning as you go to the table. Again, there's no pressure to go to the table, but if you feel like you're in the place in your story, where you want to give your life to Jesus for him to write his story with yours, we invite you to come. And then I'm going to invite you to grab the elements and instead of taking them on your own like we often do at SunWest, I'm going to invite you to just bring them back to your seats. And when you're back to your seats at the end of the song, we will take the elements together. Does that make sense? Let me pray. Lord, we thank you that you have a heart for the underdogs because that means you have a heart for us. Lord we thank you that the only thing you need to write us to write uh, to rewrite our stories is our humility and our willingness to follow you and give you everything. And so we're reminded again Jesus of your story of your life of your death of your resurrection of the good news the gospel. It says no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, we are not beyond saving, we are not beyond redeeming, and so we are thankful and we receive again your body, your blood that was broken and spilled for us. We receive it with thanksgiving. We say thank you for what you've done. We thank you that you are rewriting stories and that even now, in this moment, this morning, you are rewriting stories. Would you weave every part of our story together for your purpose and your glory so that many lives may be saved in the name of jesus we pray amen so as the band plays we invite you uh, whenever you're ready to come forward to the tables there's two tables at the front um, to grab the elements I'd invite you to stand with me. Uh, The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Every time you eat this, do so in remembrance of me. Same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Every time you drink this, whenever you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. And then Jesus said, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we gather together weekly to remind ourselves of God's story and to remember that God is continuing to write his story with our story and he's weaving it together. And so my prayer this morning is that as you look at your past, maybe things that you're running from, maybe things that you think were insignificant, maybe years and decades that you feel like you've spent in the wilderness wondering how is God ever going to use this, that you would be encouraged. I pray the Holy Spirit has spoken against the lie that there's things in your life that were wasted even the worst parts of your life are actually going to be part of God's redemptive story in your life. And he has a call for every single one of us. So my prayer is that you would respond to that call, that you would give your life to Jesus and let him weave his story with yours. Uh, After I pray, there's going to be prayer teams available. If you'd like prayer for anything, we would love to pray for you. They're available at the end of each service. Uh, We encourage you uh, to come forward if there's anything that you would want to receive prayer for. Uh, Let me pray. Father, we thank you again that we can gather, that we can be reminded of your gospel story, your good news story, the death and resurrection of Jesus, where the worst day in history actually turned out to be the best day in history. When we look at our stories and we think the worst parts of our story are irredeemable, we come back to your truth. And we recognize that you waste nothing. That this is what you do over and over again. And so we give our lives to you. And we ask that you would make something beautiful with our lives for your glory and our joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming. Have a great week. We will see you next week as we have Brad Hubert uh, coming to speak, uh, continuing our God and the Underdog series.